Financial Residency is proud to bring you Grand Rounds with Dr. Tammy. Each week, Tammy Krause explores a new topic related to achieving financial independence by building and protecting your wealth. She invites guests who are experts in their fields who will share honest and valuable advice on a variety of topics. If you have an idea for a podcast, please email Tammy, that's T-A-M-M-Y, at financialresidency.com. Now grab your front row seat to this week's Grand Rounds. Hi, and welcome back to Grand Rounds. Last week, I featured Dr. John Jurica, who talked to us about the New Script Non-Clinical Career Summit that's actually going to be starting tomorrow night. It's a three-evening online interactive program that is going to feature 12 physicians who are going to share their expertise in how um, physicians can pursue non-clinical or even non-traditional careers. And it's a free lecture series. You can sign up. You can get more information for that at www.nonclinicalphysicians.com slash summit 2023. But today I am lucky enough to have one of the speakers who is going to be on tomorrow night's podcast with non-clinical careers. And she and her husband had been very successful in starting a telemedicine career and company. And they share that expertise with other physicians who are looking to do something different for themselves. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Dr. Sharisa and Dr. Alexandro. Hi, guys. Hello. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So how did you guys get into telemedicine? So in 2015, we were just kind of reflecting back on that time. We were feeling like we needed to figure out some way to get freedom back in our life. And that was multifactorial part family and part the system I was working for at the time. And so I'm a family doctor and I was practicing OB. I'd been in this practice for 10 years. And when I first started, it was the perfect practice out of residency. It was kind of the ideal practice. I loved it. It was, um, there were, I think 30 providers or so, and 10 of them were maybe I had, maybe there were eight that were doing OB. And then over the course of five years, it was awesome. And then bigger healthcare system came in and took over. And so the last five years that I was there, there were so many changes that took, that took place that just kind of drove me to a point of needing to leave. So, you know, massive layoffs with the nurses and pay cuts. And I went from eight OB partners down to three. And at the same time, my daughter, my older daughter was having some health stuff that required us to be home where I felt like I was needing to be home more. So yeah, I was working like 60 to 90 hours a week. That amount of time was increasing <laughs> as the call uh, pool was increasing. Not um, sustainable. And my husband, no. no. <laughs> and my husband, he's a chiropractor by training. He has sports med rehab practice. And we were just running ragged. And so we started thinking about what we were going to do. I mean, we were looking at so many different options. What we ended up doing was I gave notice to my practice and started doing some urgent care, some locums, and some telemedicine on the side. So this was in 2015. And after a year and a half of telemedicine on the side, we realized that we could make telemedicine work full time. 
I actually had spoken on John Jerrica's non-clinical um, podcast a couple of years ago, and I shared the story. But I think my husband found an article and had read an article at the time he was the president of Teladoc. We didn't know that he was the president of Teladoc, but I ended up sending him an email because he had written an article that um, that about telemedicine. And so I had sent him an art an email asking about you know working full time in telemedicine. He got back to me, and that empowered me to feel like I could make this work. And so I applied for additional licenses. I applied for multiple companies. We made it work, and within actually six months of kind of starting full time, we found that I had doubled my clinical income. And, oh my gosh. and then we started streamlining and creating a system and I cut my hours in half and we were like, oh, we're not going back. Yeah, <laughs> I actually oh continued doing some urgent care until COVID happened. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I wanted to keep my skill set. And so I continued doing a couple of urgent care shifts a month. And then when COVID happened, I didn't feel like I wanted to put that risk on my family. And so I stopped. I thought I would go back, but when we started the coaching practice, that just took off and I didn't feel like I had capacity to go back to in-person care. So So are you able to help other physicians, you know, double their income with half the hours and have you been successful with that? In 2020, I had a lot of physicians reaching out and asking me how I did this. And so we created a curriculum. I did not create the curriculum alone. <laughs> um, I could, I had a really hard time putting it on paper. So my husband helped, thank God, me put this on paper and create this curriculum. And then we both got certified in coaching and we started coaching in 2021. We started In this space. We had been uh, coaching and kind of executive leadership prior to that. And then when this all came to, we said, okay, where this is the road we want to be on. So we went and we formally got certified and then we just, we ran and we ran hard and created this program. I've been coaching physicians one-on-one for two years. And then a year ago, we decided we wanted to reach more physicians because I'd been working still in telehealth and coaching like three or four at a time. I didn't feel like I could take on more than that. My husband partnered with me in this group program, and we've been taking on 30 physicians at a time in a group model. And then we also have a continuity program. So we're helping to train physicians with both entrepreneurial training and then healing from burnout and then kind of all of the telemedicine stuff. So, and you would ask, you know, have we helped other people? And for sure, there was one student in particular that was on the early side of the coaching program when we were just doing one-on-one and she was able to very quickly do what we did through the one-on-one coaching. And to the point that we eventually kind of coined the term that she brought up when we checked in with her, asked how she was doing. She said, you got to be kidding me. She's like, this is like literally the unicorn life. And there's no way that I can go back to living and practicing medicine the way that I was, especially with having a bunch of young children around that. We now call it the unicorn life. Yeah, she actually was only a year out of residency and she had been connected to me by a colleague and her husband was going to be transferring 
for a fellowship. And so she didn't want to get another job. She had two young kids at home. And so she decided to to get transitioned to telemedicine, thinking it would be for that year. But then, and so that's why I had reached out. I'm like, what are you going to do? Are you going to get are you going to end up going back to in-person practice? And she's like, I can't. I'm, I've am i doubled my income that I was working in. I'm home with my kids. I'm, she has an elderly like mother that that has dementia. And she's like, I can't. This is an incredible life that I have. I can't imagine going back to in-person practice. She was talking about working for a free clinic on the side once she kind of gets through some of the younger child fairing age. And so <laughs> we have a number of the earlier coaching clients done what we've done. And That's so, amazing. yeah. Now I know you mentioned your family medicine with an OB background. Are you able to help physicians across all specialties or do you really focus in on family medicine? How does that work in your coaching? I believe that all specialties can transition to telemedicine, but we are focusing on family medicine, internal medicine, and emergency medicine. Um, in our coaching program. That being said, I've worked with a number of OBs in my coaching. And the reason that we're kind of focusing in on those specialties is because we have a limited number of spots in our program. And that's kind of where we're leaving our capacity. But there, without a doubt, is the ability for everybody in the world of telemedicine. And so as people are especially coming out of training, I think for the people that are listening right now, I think that it's really helpful to be thinking about a little bit of consulting on the side or doing us instead of moonlighting at a hospital or moonlighting at an urgent care or moonlighting at a surgery center. It would be helpful to be thinking about opportunities in the telemedicine world for moonlighting. The 1099 moonlighting opportunities give so much that business protection for your taxes are so beneficial. I'll let Alex talk about it a little bit, but the opportunities in telemedicine are huge as a consultant for clinical work, for medical directorships, for the companies that are starting out in the telehealth world. They're venture capitalists that, that are starting these companies. They're not medical. And so they need doctors to help them create the guidelines. They need doctors to help to be medical directors. They need doctors to be creating protocols and they need medical advisors. And these are very part-time roles that you could be doing on the side or even just to help them get started. And they look great on your resume. They The startup in these companies gives you equity if they don't have a lot of money to maybe pay a ton in salary, they will also have opportunity to pay in equity, which can be huge yeah. in the long run. Equity is what takes rich to wealthy, right? And I would definitely encourage, I mean, not to just sign on the dotted line, but to consult with somebody who knows a little bit more about, about these because they will take advantage. The companies will take advantage of you. They won't offer you the equity upfront. They'll offer you a low ball salary for those roles, but there's a lot of opportunity to negotiate. And so, yeah, I think that there's definitely a lot of opportunities out there. Yeah. And they just keep coming. I mean, it's, it's exponential at this point. And like we were sharing with you prior to getting on here today, um, 
it's a lot of people, I think, come in and they go, well, you know, maybe telemedicine was a big thing because of COVID and we were all locked in our house for three years and couldn't go anywhere. And the reality of that is, one, that's not true. Two, COVID was a massive accelerator for that telemedicine space, which has now become something much larger that we refer to as virtual medicine in that it seems like every month and we're plugged into these communities very deeply. We're, we're plugged in with some founders of certain companies and just we are very active in that environment and trying to understand and always bring more opportunities to our community. But it seems like every month, it's just like exponential growth. And when you have medicine that's married up with technology, it's pretty remarkable some of the things that are coming out or will be coming out that are just going to, I think... It's going to create this space in medicine quite interesting because patients through COVID understood, wait a second, I can get time back. Like I think a lot of people through COVID, the exposure there was, I can actually have more time in my life. I actually miss that. We all had a different appreciation for having more time to just do whatever, maybe read, maybe be outside and outdoors, maybe spend time with friends and family. It was one of the things that we got back and we didn't have choice. I mean, when you can't go anywhere, you just, you have that naturally. And I think that on some level really started to replant the seed into patients who were going, I don't want to have to take half the day off and go and then sit in doctor's waiting room while they're totally backlogged because their panels are overstocked. We went from a 30 minute appointment slot to a 15 minute appointment slot I think some clinics now are pushing 10-minute appointment mm -hmm. slots, which is interesting because doctors didn't get a salary bump in that, but we'll get to that <laughs> a little bit, I guess. But through that whole experience, you now have the patients who understand what it means to not have to go ahead and restructure their entire day just so they can see their doctor for a prescription refill or any, any of hundreds of different things. It's a five-minute appointment. On the other hand, you have the physicians who are going, well, I don't actually need to spend all the time to get myself into the clinic and then be backlogged all day long on patients, which pushes me back running an hour late, an hour and a half late. So it's an interesting model because what we have seen is that virtual medicine space, it actually speaks to, caters to, and provides the patients with what they're looking for, while at the same time, giving physicians what they're looking for, which is more time, more control of time, more control of their potential earnings. It sounds crazy, but it's one vehicle that is accomplishing and working with both major parties involved and giving them what they want most. I think it would be a more... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. I think it would be a more economical way to provide medical care as well, because you don't need the MA to room the patient. You don't need the office manager doing whatever office managers do, the yeah. waiting room staff, the building itself. So I yep. mean, you're eliminating so many of those costs that might help with the economics of medicine as well. I think so. And it's one of the things that, you know, Sharissa had mentioned this before, and I'll pick it up briefly now. And that is one of the things that we believe in is really empowering physicians through business ownership. And recognizing at the same time that very few actually have any experience because, I mean, medical training doesn't have time to teach you business ownership. 
And most of us come out and that's where you get into, you know, the golden handcuffs, which we talk an awful lot about. You don't even know where to begin. So we have chosen to walk with them on that journey on taking them from here to there. And part of that is helping them understand the foundational components of business ownership so that they feel confident that when they go out and they start working in their own business world, they, they feel confident that they're set up right. And it empowers them to start practicing medicine on a much different level. We're working with our continuity group a couple of days ago, and it's such an interesting experience to, to be on our side of the screen, so to speak, and hear them converse about where they are, what they have going on, but reflect back to where they were 16 weeks ago and how they spoke, how they thought. And now we're talking to them literally just this past Sunday and they're in contract. This one in particular is in contract negotiations. No joke, full on negotiating almost four times the amount of what she was being paid in her clinical career. It's a mindset shift. And part of that is that empowerment of you are the physician, you have the skill set, you get to choose what your worth is. And I've joked about this for years. Like most of us, we're worth about a burrito an hour from the neck down, right? But from the neck up, everything changes. And now you get to make that conscious choice on what you want to put yourself out for and say, this is what my expertise of being a physician in this country is worth. This is what all my experience has been. This is what my training has been. And I know that if I show up, I'm going to be able to provide massive value into this ecosystem. And this is what I'm worth. And watching that transformation take place with so many people, it's honestly, it's that moment where we hear that and like, we get excited for them because at the very root of everything, you can tell that their mindset has started to shift. Yeah. I mean, even if you're still in practice, like even if they're still choosing to stay in practice because they love their practice, they can have that ability to love their practice and have ownership of that practice mm -hmm. and not be in practice because they have no choice right. because they're, they have to be because that's what's paying the bills. But it's interesting from a patient care standpoint, unfortunately, Patient care has suffered. Our healthcare system has not worked for our patients. And so I'll give a couple of examples. One of the telehealth companies that I've worked for provides migraine care. And, and patients that have never been able to see a neurologist, maybe the closest neurologist is eight hours away. And they can't even get into, patients can't even get into primary care doctors in this country. In many areas of the country, there's no primary care doctors taking new patients or primary care doctors that are taking new patients have six month waits. Mm -hmm. And so the migraine company that I worked for, they have a neurologist. They have a couple of neurologists that consults. And so we were able to treat patients with the injectable medications that as a family doctor, I never felt comfortable treating. I would refer to neurologists. And so I was able to feel comfortable treating very complex migraine patients that never could have received these patient, these medications before. We had a very extensive prior auth team. And there's a lot of these chronic disease models 
that are working beautifully mm-hmm. that are going to take pressure off of the prime the like primary care doctors and the urgent cares and the ERs to allow for the true emergencies that and the things that really need to be seen in person. And so I think that there, and one of the things that I had seen when I went to the American Telemedicine Association conference that Alex was mentioning to you before, there were these glasses that surgeons are using to be able to plug into their PAs that are maybe in the operating room or their residents or their like less, their surgeons, their like less senior surgeons, if they're in a complicated case and they need assistance, they can they can plug in by the glasses. And so they could be sitting on the beach and plug in by glasses and see what they're seeing in the operating room. I mean, there's amazing stuff going on in the telemedicine world. And so the remote monitoring stuff that's available is unbelievable. This remote monitoring is going to allow for diabetes management that we have never been able to do. Patient care is definitely going to improve so much as, as we start to integrate these tools. And so we kind yeah. of talked before the show about this, just being a huge transitional period, probably the biggest one we'll ever see in our lifetimes. And I really feel like it might be the chance where doctors can step in from the beginning and start mm-hmm. to take back medicine. For sure, We've lost control in so many ways, but maybe if, if we all get on board and we start these businesses and set up the protocols, you know, maybe we actually have a chance to take back medicine again. For sure. And that's something that, you know, as we were sharing with you, we refer to that as the virtual health revolution. And it's it honestly what we've seen and and what we we kind of preach these days is this is probably the opportunity for physicians to choose themselves and step up and fill that void and say no more. But this is the way going forward we are going to deliver healthcare. And this is how we're going to practice rather than living under a dictatorship, which, you know, unfortunately that happens. And it's interesting because I think as physicians, we live under two dictatorships, right? There's the system, but then the bigger dictatorship is ourselves. And true. we, we often feel stuck. It's one of the things that we often hear from physicians that are looking for a way out is that they feel stuck. And the first truth is you're not stuck. You just have to have the willingness and the wantingness to seek out help that's available. I mean, there are plenty of people out there. You know, you're talking about the new script summit that's coming up. Yeah, we're going to be one of the speakers there. But I promise you, there's some other very high power physicians who've gone on to do other things non-clinically that are there to help. And that's just the biggest thing. I think anybody in medicine went into medicine originally whether it was your top priority or somewhere in the top three. But if you went into medicine, you committed to that path. One of the things we know to be true about you is that you wanted to help people, right? And this is an opportunity for, I think, so many to continue that root core value of helping that maybe they've just not been exposed to before. And that the virtual medicine space, it's so in its infancy that those people who choose to fill that will be the ones that really are responsible for kind of dictating what it's going to be like moving forward. Because the large conglomerates right now, they can't move into that space just yet. And it's this very interesting piece. We've actually had 
guest speakers in our group and just interviews that we've done with people where you get some of the recruiters and like they're very clear in their mindset. And there's a massive division here, but most recruiters are going, you need us more than we need you. And we're like, That's, we need you more than well, they're yeah. saying that we need them more than they need us. Right. Um, like, we're like, how does that work? Without like, doctors. That doesn't even make sense. You right. <laughs> Medicine's not going to take place unless you got somebody delivering the actual medicine. Like, how, right. how does that work? And it's just to, to I think to both of us, like we, that don't, particular... we actually don't need recruiters. <laughs> like <laughs> the recruiters are taking a lot of profit. Yes, right. <laughs> and so yeah yeah so absolutely we just need to learn our worth again we, we totally are the do. ones generating yeah. the income that are feeding the hospitals the yeah. corporations the recruiters the everything totally yeah and i would right. say this i mean just to to your community and knowing the community that you speak to so my number one core value period flat out is truth and in that i, I think and again going to what we were just speaking prior to getting on the podcast with you i think in order to make a change, the first thing that you have to become aware of is conscious awareness. And as you become consciously aware of things, that opens up the potential for choice. Without that, you live in your own dictatorship, as I was just speaking about. And one of the things, again, another tick on the golden handcuffs as you go, great, I'm going to be a physician, which by default puts you in the top 1% of the earner's bracket in the world, which good or bad. I mean, you know, everybody figures that out along their way. But when you take a look at the numbers and, you know, I'll speak to family medicine, we know that space well, but average family medicine doc, 225 these days, somewhere about there. And when you figure out how many hours they're actually putting in, which is much different than full-time, right? I mean, full-time by default means that you're working 40 hours a week. So in that- Part-time job for family medicine. Right. I mean, that's a part-time <laughs> job. But your how your contract is structured, that's considered full-time. And when you take the 40 hours a week and you multiply that over 52 weeks in a year, you actually have the earnability per hour of 2,080 hours in a year. And when you break up the math on that for a 40-hour work week at a $225,000 salary, that physician is working for $108 an hour. But that would be if you were working at a 40-hour workload. And the reality is, is that I don't know any full-time physician that works only 40 hours these days, right? Sure. They're pushing 60 hours, they're pushing 65 hours. And when you do the math on that, it very quickly turns that 108 an hour into just over 66 an hour. And those extra 25 hours that you're working past your 40 in medical world, in clinical medicine, there is no time and a half overtime. So not only are you actually making considerably less, but the time that you're putting in for those hours, you don't even get overtime. It's kind of like the double whammy. And it's true. There's it's that concept for a lot of people probably is going to go right over their heads. But I would tell you that that is at the core of understanding how you going into a virtual medicine space can very quickly replace your income in half the time. So you guys have a new cohort coming up where you're going to take on another 30 physicians and kind of walk them through your program. Is that right? We do. Yep. When does that do. start? So that starts the end of this month, April 23rd is our first day on that. 
our cohorts, they run twice a year. That's it. We try to keep them tight and scheduled. We cap it to 30 people in a cohort because we spend so much individualized time with every student that comes through. So it's a 10-week program that we've put together that literally takes them from here to there, where they don't need to know anything about business, nothing about virtual medicine, telemedicine. We will walk them through that process from A to Z. That program is a combination of a few things. It's very comprehensive. I will tell you that. We get together twice a week and all of the modules are recorded so that physicians that are either maybe on a residency shift, work in hospitals, or if you have on-call shifts, even if they might not be able to attend one of the live sessions, they can always come back and they can re-watch that. And then we actually run office hours once a week where now they can pop in with any questions that have come up and kind of get themselves back on track so that they feel like they're not falling behind, but still have live access to us. So that's the bigger piece of it. We have guest speakers that we bring in from all disciplines, other people that are already in the telehealth and the virtual medicine realm. We bring in attorneys to help them understand how to negotiate for contracts. We bring in bookkeepers, CPA, tax strategists. We bring in outside investing groups to teach them. Because one of the things that I think when people commit to making that transition into being their own boss and being a 1099 and actually owning their own business is they go, holy cow, but I have this great retirement plan. It's not as great as you think, but there are ways to actually help and to set you up right. So we bring guest speakers in to speak to that. It is packed. And then on top of that, we do weekly group coaching calls and then all of our students end up going through and they have a handful of one-on-one coaching. That's wonderful. Do you guys have a website where we could send people to to get more information about your class that's coming up? Sure. SandroConsulting.com is the website. And actually, I will give you the link for the upcoming course. Um, okay. So you can put that in your show notes. Absolutely. So I'm going to spell that out just in case. S-A-N-D-R-O-W-Consulting.com. And then we'll post a link with that when we get that up for our podcast that comes out. Well, I'd like to thank you both for coming on the show. And I'm really looking forward to seeing you tomorrow night on the Summit podcast, or not podcast, but interactive webinar. Yeah. You're the fourth speaker of the evening tomorrow night, if I'm not mistaken. One of the speakers. I'm not sure when we're speaking. (laughs) We'll be there. Okay. All right. Well, thanks again for joining me today. And I hope you'll all. Absolutely. And I hope you'll all join me again next week for Grand Rounds.